Welcome to the audio podcast ministry of The Bridge. In all that we do, our priority is to lead all people from all places to be all in with Jesus. We hope that by providing this message in this way, it will be an encouragement to those of you who have already decided to follow Jesus, as well as a way home for those of you who have not yet said yes to Him. You can find out more, as well as support this ministry, by going to bridgeclarksville.com. We're in this series called Change, and we're looking at the changes that every follower of Jesus goes through. Uh, some are more difficult than others. They happen at different stages in our uh, spiritual journeys and in our, in our path. Um, we get that. But there are changes that are made, and they're difficult changes. And a man named Paul, who loved the people in this place called Galatia, wrote a letter to them to help them work through some of the changes. And we've tried to pull out a few of those from week to week, and we're going to look at the fourth one here today. So if you have a Bible, open it up to the letter to the Galatians, and we're going to be in chapter five. Um, we've, over the last few weeks, we've worked through most of the entire book. I will be in chapter five, and I want to begin by reading the first phrase in verse, uh, what we have as verse 13. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. And that might be the one thing that you need to grasp hold of today and be done with it, that, that thought. The idea that you have been called, you've been saved, you've been delivered to be free. Free from the worry of needing to get the approval, gain the approval of the people around you, whether they be spiritual leaders or they just be people in your life. There's a shift that we talked about from being a man pleaser to being a God pleaser, from being a people pleaser to being a God pleaser. And he says, you're, you're free. You're free from, to, to live a life that's not under the weight of the law, the Ten Commandments that God gave and all the laws that came after that, the weight of having to fulfill these. Otherwise, I'm not going to see God's face. I'm not going to be able to be in his presence. I'm not going to heaven. Or I'm not going to be a part of that unless I do this. He said, you're free from all that because you could not keep the law on your own. So I sent my son Jesus to die for you in your place. He kept the law. And now he's offering this free gift of salvation, this free gift of freedom. He says, you were called to be free, free to smile, free to relax, free to rest, free to dance, free to have joy, free to live, free to breathe. He said, you are free. And, and I know many of you are not living that way now. So today is going to be really important for us to, to dig in and figure out what this is all about. But he says, you were called to be free. Problem is that living freely is not easy. Um, that's not a rap from the 90s, but living freely is not easy. Uh, it's, it's not easy to find freedom. It's what we all want, but then once we have it, all sorts of problems open up. Uh, when a child figures out how to walk and begins to walk, there is a wide open space of brand new possibilities, freedom finally after 12 long months in this chair, 12 long months in this bouncer seat, or in our case, there was an extra saucer. I don't know, that's what we call it. There was a, a big round thing. We just stuck our kids in and said, please be quiet. Like that was the, the parenting plan there for a while. After 12 long months of that, or however long it takes the kid to learn to walk, there's freedom but with freedom comes also brand new potential problems and dangers. Dangers that we never thought were dangers before, like edges of coffee tables, like that is danger. Stairs, beware of stairs. 
electrical outlets, all sorts of things that are out there that weren't issues before, but now that freedom has arrived, we've got new problems. And the people in this place called Galatia were struggling with this same idea. God had freed them up. Freedom from the consequences of their past, the separation that it had caused from God. Now Jesus has filled in the gap and said, come home, come follow me. I'll be the bridge from death to life, from hopelessness to hope. You follow me. They've got that. You've got this promise of all of their sins, all their junk and their past, their present and everything they will do being covered. They're not saved by their works. They're given this free gift. You've got inheritance in heaven to look forward to. Like everything is done. It's paid for. All the work is finished. So you've got this element of freedom now people are experiencing for the first time. When before, religion was all about being under the weight of you gotta do this, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, and now they're free. But they struggled with the freedom. So we find this author named Paul, who was a missionary, a church planter, all sorts of other things, and he cared about the people in Galatia, and he's writing this letter to them to help them as they struggle with what it is to be free. And in verse 13, the second part of that verse, he says, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So his response to brothers and sisters, you are free, is be very careful now that you're free, that you don't use this freedom just to do whatever you want to do. Instead, use your freedom to serve each other. In the message paraphrase of the Bible, uh, we have, it's a different translation. It's not much of a translation, but it does capture this idea, I think, the same way. Same thing in Galatians chapter 5, according to the message, it reads this way. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use your freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And this is a really cool phrase. That's how freedom grows. It says, be very careful that now that you're free... That you don't then say, well, what does it matter then? You just do whatever you want to do. He said, because in the process, you're going to destroy your freedom. Now, his way of saying, here's how we work through this freedom in our lives is to use it to serve other people. Now, even though I don't really like that application, I don't really even know that I I wanted to hear that from him, at least I understand it. He's saying that your freedom that you have now is best used serving each other. So before every decision you make, every free decision that you make, you stop and ask, how is this going to honor you? How is this going to respect you? How is this going to encourage you? How is this going to affect you? How is this going to work out in your life? Say, well, I thought it was my freedom. I mean, we're talking about me being free. Yeah, but he says... You protect your freedom by using it to serve each other. And before every free decision you make, you stop and say, how is this going to affect someone else? So it seems that the main point of this part of the letter, at least, is that the proper way to use the freedom that God has given us, this gift, is to use it to serve each other. But then he launches into, looks like a whole different 
topic. And yet it's all one letter. It's right after each other. So there's a weird connection that I want us to make here in a moment. But I want us to read through this. In verse 16, he says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are in conflict with each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. He says, you're not as free as you think you are if you use your freedom just to do whatever it is you think that you want to do. He said, there's a war going on in you between the old you and the new you, the how you were to where you are, the you that was in chains and bound up and under the burden of the law and all of this approval and the shame and the guilt, and now the new you that's free. He said, that process is a difficult one. It's a hard one. He says, and now as you do this, you need to realize there's an actual war going on between the two, and they want opposite things. And just in case the people were thinking, well, we don't do that. That's not us. Like, we're brand new. We don't deal with the old me anymore. He says, let me give you an example. And in verse 19, he gives examples that I think must have been applicable to that particular church. He says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and lust, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. For the sake of all things, what was wrong with that church? Like, Did you read those things as I was reading, or did you just let me read those and you were... I don't go back on those, but like, I don't want to be a part of that church. I do want to visit, though. That is, that's a messed up place. And I don't know if he's just naming all the sins he can think of while he's writing, or I got to think that he's saying things that they're going to grasp. He says, that's not the way to live. So this is not how you walk in step with the Spirit. This is not free living. So instead, he says, let me tell you how we should live, what it is to walk with God. And he says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Memorization because of children's choir in the 80s. I got that. So uh, learn the verse then. He says, that is how you are to live. Those are the things that should define your life. Not that list of wacko stuff. He says this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and so forth. He says that's how you are to live your lives. So as you're using your freedom, as you're doing whatever it is you're now able to do, be careful that your life looks more like that than more like it did before. Okay, we get it, loud and clear. It's hard not to understand what Paul just said there. Don't do these things, do these things. But I thought the whole deal was we're free from the law and free from the have to, free from the you gotta, free from the you better do this or free from if you don't do this, you're not gonna be in right standing with God, the devil's gonna get you. I thought we were free from all of that. Why give us this list of stuff? What does it matter how I live my life if I'm free? And then if we go back a little bit further to what we read in the beginning, and what do I care how you process my freedom If I'm free, how does that affect you? 
So this relationship is what I want us to try to grasp here because I don't think he was just saying things. God was inspiring him to write to this church and these words are important. I wanna go back to read uh, something that we read just a few moments ago in chapter five, verse 13. He says, make sure you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. So somehow in Paul's thinking and in his heart, as God was leading him to write this letter and inspiring him as he did, there is a connection between the freedom I have, the freedom you have, and then ultimately how we choose to live out that freedom, which doesn't sound free to me. It's like dropping me off at an amusement park saying, have a great time, do whatever you want to do. Oh, by the way, take care of your sister all day long. Like that, that's okay. Like we just shifted here. Like I, I was completely free and now I am the opposite of completely free. And that's almost what it feels like as you're reading. Brothers and sisters, you've been called to be free. Are you kidding? This is what I've been waiting on. Now, make sure as you use your freedom, you, you're careful not to mess up the freedom of anybody around you and make sure you don't live like this and you do live like this. How is that freedom? So with that tension, at least tension in my mind, I want us to work this out by uh, addressing a few things. Number one, every decision that I make blesses or burdens someone else. That's just a fact. That's, that's not an opinion. Every decision I make, every expression of freedom that I, uh, that I demonstrate is going to be a blessing or a burden for someone else. There are no decisions I make that affect no one but me. I'd like to believe that. I would like to think if I do it privately or personally, or if I have the means, the resources, and I, it's my decision, and I'm, I have the legal right to do it, I would think it, then ultimately it's my decision. But every decision I make is ultimately going to be a blessing or burden to someone else. Every decision I make, personally or privately, is going to affect someone else. Obviously, publicly, when we make decisions, they affect people, but everyone. There are times when I have to truly step back and say, I'm okay with this, but how is this going to affect the people around me? Is this going to bring frustration? Is this going to bring disappointment? Is this going to bring emotional baggage? Is this going to bring a lot of problems? Is this relationally going to mess things up? Is this going to just cast a different kind of light on things? I, I have to think about that if I'm using freedom the way Paul mentioned. Um, there are times because of you that I choose to stay quiet about something or I might not hit sins because of you. I'm thinking, okay, like it's not a bad thing. It's not a big deal. But then I stop and go, what are the, ripple, what are the ripples here? What, what will the effects be for my church family, for my family, for my city, for whatever it is that God's doing in my life? It all affects someone else. I have the legal right and I have just the earthly right to do whatever I want to do with my time. But what would you tell me if I told you that I'm making the decision that this afternoon I'm gonna let my wife know that from now on she can expect me home anytime between 7 p.m. and 2 a.m. Just kinda, just deal with it. Like I'll just be home when I get home. And don't ask me what I'm doing, I'm just out. And you'd say, well, I mean, 
you, you are a grown man. Like you have your own vehicle. You have, you know, you have the right. That's not an illegal thing to do, but I would not suggest that in your relationship. Obviously you wouldn't because you've got the whole, what's going on with dad? Where is that about? And then you've got all the thoughts there. Then you've got the weirdness in the relationship with the wife. And then what about you guys are out with your families at midnight, staying out partying, and I'm just cruising by going, sup? You know, like, like that, like a couple of you may go, that's really cool, my pastor. Then the rest of you who have a brain are going, that is ridiculous. Like he needs to be home. Where is his family? Like there's all, it all sounds great until you just kind of play it out. There are times I go out with other people and they say, you know, do you want a drink? No, I, no, I don't. And there are times it's not necessarily because I'm thinking, oh, this is terrible. This is a bad decision. I'm just thinking, is this going to help tomorrow? Like when I show up and that visiting family goes, oh, I saw him hanging out with the boys doing that. Is that really going to help this whole situation here? Like, I don't, it sounds kind of cool. sounds kind of fun. Oh, he did that. I don't, I don't know. And there are some things in your life that I know you could think of as well. I don't want to get too far into your own life. All of you accuse me of preaching at you and knowing what you're doing anyway. Enough. I don't want to do that anymore now. But I, it's, it's a real thing. I mean, I, there's no private decisions I make that don't ultimately affect my home, my community, and of course, my church family. It all interconnects. And he says, as you're displaying and demonstrating the freedom you have, just stop and think, is this going to be a blessing for the people around you? Or is this ultimately going to be a burden that they have to work through? Something they have to deal with now because of the decisions that you have made. Every decision, a blessing or a burden. The second thought is that every decision I make takes me somewhere. It's a path, it's a journey, it's a road I'm going on. Every decision you make is leading you farther away from where you were into this land of freedom that God is calling you, or it's taking you back to the place where you were before, the place you swore you'd never go back to. As my son was growing up and we worked through wise decisions and we talk about what God wants for us and his will, I would always go back to the idea of, are you okay with where this road leads? I know you think it's just a decision, but are you okay with traveling this road to the end? When you get to the end of this road, are you gonna be okay with where it takes you? Because there are going to be people all around you that are watching you thinking, don't do that. I thought it would end right there, it didn't. And now 15 years later, it's still here. Like, don't do that, don't go there. We, we never think it through to the end. If I do this, am I okay being bound to this? Am I okay being chained up to this? Am I okay if I can't stop doing this? Am I okay with this? We never do that. We just stop and say, well, this is what I feel like. And I'm pretty sure I can stop whenever I want. I'm pretty sure I'll just do it one time. I'm pretty sure this, I think this. We never stop and say, okay, with this decision, it's obvious where it's headed. Worst case scenario, am I okay following this road to the end? And that ought to change everything for us because every decision I make, every free decision I make, I may have the right to make it. And in the moment, it might not be hurting or harming anyone, but it is going to lead somewhere. And in the end, it's going to be a blessing and a burden for someone and probably for me as well. And I want to encourage you right now, if you're in a new season or you're about to begin something new, a new relationship, a new habit, a new thought, or you just 
all of a sudden have made money for the first time, you're thinking about buying this or buying that, stop and look around at the people that have done or are doing what it is that you're thinking about doing and just ask, am I okay if that's where I end up? Am I okay if that's the path that I'm on? Because it's not going to stop right there. It's going to lead you somewhere. And my fear is that sometimes we, God delivers us from a burning house and we jump on a sinking ship right away. We're just moving from one thing that we're under, uh, under the, uh, the control of to something else. Yeah, I'm free from this. I don't have to worry about that anymore, but now I can't stop doing this. And now I'm stuck with this. And now this is a part of my life. So every single decision ultimately is taking me somewhere. And then third, every decision I make confirms or calls into question my freedom. Every decision I make is either confirmation of, it confirms my freedom, or it calls the whole thing into question. I'm convinced that some of the people around me that I love and care for who struggle with Am I right with God? And is this real? And do I truly have a relationship with him? And they doubt that relationship with God. It's not because of the surroundings or the settings of their initial uh, encounter with Jesus, whether they were seven or 10 or 15 years old, 25, whatever it was. It was because since that time, they've allowed themselves to mess around with the same kind of stuff that God saved them from. And now it's all called into question. Was this real? Did God really do something? Am I just going through the motions here? Because my life doesn't seem to give confirmation of the change, of the freedom that God's brought about in my life. I have to stop and ask myself, is this what a free man does? Is this what someone that God delivers does? Because if it's not, ultimately it's going to push me back to a place where I am no longer free. I'm just serving a new master. Before it was guilt and shame and thou shalt do this and thou shalt not do that and don't do that and make sure you don't do that. Now it's just, I've got all this freedom, but now I'm a slave to something different. It's still not freedom. And we can argue over which one's more harmful and which one hurts more. We've been called to be free. We've been called to something new. When we began today, the phrase was brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. He talked with all of us. He was saying that we are free, not me is free. (laughs) We are free. And we're all connected in this thing together. And we are supposed to live lives that demonstrate what it is that free people do. Free men and women, what does that look like? This is what this is. This is what it is to be free. That's how we're to live our lives. It's a confirmation or it calls into question everything that we thought we believed, everything we thought we were. He says in verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since it began with God calling you out, delivering you and giving you freedom, make sure that you continue in the same journey. You're still walking with him. You weren't brought out in freedom so you can go back and now serve a different master. Because right now, if we were honest and we looked at each other's lives, there would be some of us that would want to ask the question, um, are you sure you're free? You don't look free. You don't seem free. You seem to be chained up and held down by this cloud of anxiety and negativity always. Like, is that freedom? 
Or every time I see you, there seems to be something you got to complain about. Or every time I see you, you have one of those in your hand. And every time I see you, you're always scrolling or thinking or looking like, are you free? You seem to be bound up to approval. You seem to be bound up to people's opinions. You seem to be bound up to your device. You seem to be bound up to the substance or whatever the thing is. He says, brothers and sisters, you are called to be free. And if there is anything in your life that is sucking out your joy and your ability to rest and breathe, he says, that's not what you should be experiencing. So it's time for us to stop and evaluate our lives and say, am I walking in step with the Spirit? Because free people, someone who is really free, uses his freedom to make decisions that bless others, decisions that keep us free, and decisions that ultimately leave no doubt that we are free. One of my favorite moments in, um, in the book of Acts is when Paul, the writer of this letter in Galatians, and his friend Silas, his partner, they're in the prison, and they're locked up, and they're chained up, and then there is this earthquake of sorts that happens, and the walls to the prison are broken down, and Paul has the ability to run out. He's free. He and Silas are free. And as that's all taking place, the person that works there in the jail who was in charge of them took out his own weapon to take his own life because if you lost a prisoner, you were going to die anyway. So he was going to do it himself. And then Paul yells out, whoa, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. He turned and looked and realized underneath all the rubble that Paul and Silas had stayed. They were free, but they stayed right where they were. And he looked at him, didn't understand what was going on. And Paul said, don't worry, don't take your life. We are all here. And his response was, and I guess this would be like the message translation. Are you kidding me? <laughs> anyway, he, said, he looked at them and said, what must I do to be saved? Like, what do I have to do? Because I, I don't know what happened, but you've been set free. But for my sake, you used your freedom to stay right here. Tell me what I got to do. So I want to be like you. Like, I want that, whatever that is. And that jailer and his entire family were saved that day because of the way Paul used his freedom. And every single one of us who have met Jesus have been set free. And there are promises all throughout scripture. My past, my present, and my future are all covered under the blood of Jesus. I don't have to worry. I won't stand before the Lord on judgment day and he'll have to pace back and forth. Hmm, should I let him in? Like, that's not a thing at all. I'll be ushered in, well done. There are even gonna be rewards for the good things I've done, which I, I obviously do not deserve. But that's, it's, that's a part of my story. It will be a part of every story here in this room. So we've got all that covered. But truly free people are willing to say, I have been set free, but I am going to use my freedom in such a way that makes everyone around me stop and say, wow, that's a different definition of freedom and that's the freedom that I want. And we have that power through God's word and story in our lives to make that happen to those around us. Thank you for joining us today. If you live in the area, we hope you will soon join us in person. If you were unable to do that, we hope you will continue to stay connected with us by following this podcast and sharing it with your friends. For more information, go to bridgeclarksville.com.